0: you yeah. Welcome to episode four of the Beery Interesting podcast. It's an absolutely beautifully sunny day here in East London, so I thought what better way than to crack open a refreshing German-style wheat beer, the perfect sunny-weather beer in my opinion, and talk a little bit about the history, the brewing, the flavour profile, Some random tidbits surrounding Weizen. So without further ado... you can hear the rumbling of East London in the background. It's not a quiet place, but we like it. So, Weizen, Hefeweizen, Beer, wheat beer, where did it come from and what is it? Interestingly, uh, wheat beer of one kind or another is probably the oldest type of beer um, in continuous consumption if we go all the way back to episode one where we were talking about the Sumerians in ancient Mesopotamia, kind of modern day Southern Iraq. Um, they were brewing as well as with barley with, um, spelt and emmer corn and a couple of different kind of ancient grains. Um, and those ancient grains are really genetic predecessors to modern wheat. Um, so arguably those sort of, um, uh, very first brews 6,000 years ago in the Fertile Crescent were wheat beer of one kind. Uh, they would have been somewhat different to modern wheat beers and the history of, of modern wheat beer in, it, in its current form is equally interesting. Um, so let's dive in a little bit to that. Um round about the 15 uh, fifteen fifteen sixteen, I think it was the the Reinheitsgebot in, in Germany came into law this um, purity law of brewing that says you're only allowed to use malt and water and hops and, and nothing else um, yeast originally not included because yeast first of all we didn't have a great understanding of back then and then another argument would be that yeast isn't really an ingredient yeast is a Process. Um, you don't add yeast in the way you add hops in to give flavour, you use yeast um, to to ferment the beer, so it's yeast is more like a whisk than an egg, <laughs> in a very strange brewing analogy, um, so I think that's probably some of where the reasoning behind that came from, the, the lack of inclusion of heifer, or yeast, in the Reinheitsgebot. 1520 then um one noble family one noble dynasty in Bavaria um sort of managed to get the sole brewing rights for wheat beer in all of Germany and wheat beer was being brewed in Bohemia in the north of Czech um and kind of crossed over the border into the forests of Bavaria and this one family um the Degenbergs, um, who were from a a little village called Schwarzach, got the the exclusive rights to brew this beer. Now, the thinking is, um, this wasn't much of a big deal at the time, because Weiss beer wasn't overly popular, and um, everyone thought, so what, they are the only family who can brew this not very widely drunk beer, who cares? but much to the chagrin of the, the Dukes of Bavaria, the beer sort of gained popularity and um, people started drinking it fairly widely throughout the region. Um, so the uh, the Duke, the Wittelsbach Duke Albrecht, declared that wheat beer is a useless, stupid drink that doesn't nourish you, it doesn't make you better, it doesn't give you strength, but it just makes you drunk. So he tried to outlaw wheat beer. Um, purely based on this sort of vendetta, that uh, only the Degenbergs could brew it, and it was becoming very popular. Um, so the the head of the Degenberg family died around about the turn of the uh, 17th century uh, without an heir. So the Degenbergs lost this exclusive right for, for wheat beer brewing, and it kind of came back to the Wittelsbach family, um, who were in charge of the region. And they monopolized this, they created a sort of network of wheat beer breweries in bavaria um and every tavern had to pour a vice beer and the only people making the vice beer were these breweries owned by the Wittelsbachs. so it was a real sort of monopolous enterprise for them and this kind of carried on for a couple hundred years really where they they dominated vice beer brewing um until uh kind of towards the end of the 18th century a couple of monastic breweries or or monasteries and a couple of um, burger Brauerei or burger Brauerei I should say sorry my German pronunciation isn't great Um, Burger Brauerei just being citizens breweries or people's breweries and they gained the right to brew Weissbier as well Um, this probably again was because Weissbier had fallen out of fashion it wasn't really cool anymore so the Wittelsbach breweries who were kind of running this monopoly were not turning a huge profit on it so giving over the the brewing rights to smaller citizen and monastic breweries made good economic sense for them. So demand for vice beer declined. This is the 18th and 19th centuries where glass bottles are coming into um, prominence and very pale, um, light lagers in Northern Europe are kind of dominating. Um, Hellas is coming into fashion in Bavaria. The first pilsners are brewed in the mid 19th century, um, and and Vienna lagers in Austria. And these paler, lighter, clear lager beers in glass bottles, where people can really see the aesthetics of, of the beer, are kind of taking grip. So, Weiss beer continues to decline, and in 1872, the rights for Weiss beer brewing are sold to uh, one Promeister called Georg Schneider I. And fans of German beer may recognize the name Schneider, of course, the famous Schneider Weiss brewery. And this kind of means that, in terms of contemporary, um, widely available Weiss beers. The Schneider Schneiderweiss wheat beers are probably kind of the, the oldest and original and um, continuously brewed beers that you can buy today if, if you want to drink some really historic and, and masterfully made Weiss beers. So Schneider Schneiderweiss keep brewing this uh, Weiss beer for the next hundred years even though no one really wants to drink it. It's not hugely popular um, Lager beer is is really dominating, especially in Bavaria, and the export market isn't great. Um, And then we get to 1960, 1970, and we have a massive Weiss beer boom. It becomes very, very popular in the US. Um, It takes hold in Bavaria once again for the first time in several hundred years. Um, And although Hella's Lagers, certainly, and, and Fest beers and those sort of very crisp, light, easy drinking, festival, lagers, are the top sellers. beer has a real cultural significance. The, um, the kind of second breakfast of Germany, uh, known as Brotzeit, which literally translates as bread time, um, but this kind of second breakfast of uh, bread or a, a delicious salted pretzel with a big vase of uh, wheat beer round the mid-morning is um, one of the proudest and one of my favourite traditions of southern Germany so in this aspect alone Weissbier has a very special place um, culturally in in modern Bavaria <sighs> um, For anyone wondering, I'm drinking Brewdog's Wildcard Wheat which is not German, it is Scottish um, but it is brewed in collaboration with Schneider Weisse, the um, the OG of uh, German Weissbeers, beers. So I think we'll um, we'll make do with this for sure. Very refreshing. So that kind of gives us a little, in a nutshell, uh, history of Weisse beer. beer literally in German means white beer. Um, which is a distinction um, of the kind of pale and luminescent color of a, a wheat beer, especially compared to the dunkel lagers, which were the the most prominent beer style um, when Weiss beer got its name. Um, it's also known as Weizen, which just means wheat, or Weizen beer, wheat beer. And outside of Bavaria, it's most commonly referred to as Hefeweizen. Hefe being the German word for yeast, so it's it's yeast wheat literally and this refers to the turbidity of the beer the haziness the fact that it has got yeast in suspension um, and that forms the basis for the very traditional serving practice of vice beer usually it's served in sort of tall vases with thick bases and a very um, wide flared rim which allows space for a big frothy head to form lots of protein in a a wheat beer from the the use of wheat, and uh, that protein is really foam positive and creates a really stable uh, foam. Um, That in tandem with bottle conditioning means that um, the wheat beer has maybe four volumes of CO2, um, which kind of gives oomph to all that protein and creates a really um, sort of massive frothy head in, in those vice beer vases, so it's a really great beer to look at traditionally poured quite carefully in a freshly rinsed glass to avoid over foaming and then there are several ways to kind of decant the yeast in the bottom of the bottle into the the vice beer if stored upright the bottles should have kind of collected the yeast in the bottom of the bottle so the initial pour will be almost clear and then the yeast is added into the glass at the end and sort of filters down through the beer creating this very beautiful haze effect Um, so the um, bottle can be completely inverted into the glass and hard poured with the bottle being um, slowly moved up and held just above the liquid level which is a really kind of flamboyant and visual way of of pouring and requires some practice so if you're going to try it at home do it over the sink the first time the other way would be to pour quite carefully and then swirl the bottom around um, to kind of pick up that yeast from the bottom of the bottle and then pour it in or I've also seen the bottle kind of set on its side and rolled with the palm across the bar um, to kind of collect the yeast and then, and then pour it in, so there's a couple of different ways that it's done it's not really served with a slice of lemon or a slice of orange like, um, has, has been known to happen in the past I think that's more of an American thing um, and I certainly haven't seen a huge amount of lemon wedges going into Weizen's in Germany um, certainly, there is a practice in Belgium of serving um, Hogarten with a slice of orange in that sort of very traditional um, French jelly glass, that sort of a faceted uh, beaker that Hogarten is known for, um, but not really in, in Bavarian Weissbier. Um On a sensory level, the pungency of fresh lemon is going to kind of dominate the subtle aromatics of a beer and the oiliness on the citrus peel is going to destroy the stability of the head as well. Um, so really detrimental to the appearance as well as the aroma. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend asking for a lemon in your vice beer. Although then again, if you like it, go for it. Um, who am I to tell you how to enjoy your beer? There's no right or wrong way, really. Um, so um, let's talk a little bit about brewing practice legally in Germany. Uh, Weizen has to be brewed with at least 50% wheat, although very few breweries go as low as 50%. Most breweries are using 60 to 70% wheat in their grist, and the rest is made up of pale malted barley, often Pilsner malt actually. Um, people kind of wonder why it's, say, 60% or 70% wheat and the rest barley. Um, Is the barley necessary for conversion of starches? No, not really, because the wheat that's being used is malted wheat, so it has got conversion potential in the mash. The main reason that you don't get 100% wheat Weitzens is that it would be almost impossible to lauter um, the wort, uh, for those not clued into the brewing jargon, lautering or sparging. Is the process of separating the wort, the sweet liquid, from the mash, um, invented by the Scottish actually sparging? You kind of spray or sprinkle hot water over the top of the mash to kind of rinse off excess sugars from the grain, and the the grain bed in the mash kind of filters the the wort in. Um, and you can clarify the wort then by running the first runnings of wort back over the top of the mash and, and recirculating it. In German, it's called Vorlauf, and this Vorlauf thing kind of clarifies the wort, and when you're happy with the wort, then you run off into the, the kettle ready for your boiling process, and that lautering would be almost impossible in a 100% wheat grist uh, because wheat has no husk. It has no kind of shell on, it, on its grain uh, in the way that barley does, and those husks kind of create a stable grain bed and, and allow filtration to happen. Uh, wheat on its own would create a sort of gummy, sticky mess, and you would end up with a concrete rather than a mash, so it would be really, really hard to brew with. Um, theoretically, you could brew 100% wheat beer using uh, rice hulls, for example. But yeah, certainly in Germany, um, the, the traditional practice would be sort of two-thirds... Of wheat and the rest barley um, to aid filtration and allow uh, a sort of workable mash and a, a, a usable lauter so you can run off for your boil. Another important consideration in brewing wheat beer is uh, the ferulic acid rest. We're getting a bit nerdy here, but bear with me. Um, one of the key flavor markers of a Weizen is its trademark uh, phenolic spicy sort of um, aromas, specifically clove spice coming from a, a phenol called 4-vinyl guacol. And 4-vinyl guacol is um, kind of uh, created by and yeast in fermentation uh, from a precursor, which is frulic acid. Uh, All malted grain has the potential for ferulic acid production, but especially malted wheat has a very high ferulic acid potential, and uh, this is created in the mash with a very specific temperature rest around 45 degrees C, and that 45 degrees C rest um, kind of creates this ferulic acid, which is then going to allow the very specific Hefeweizen yeast, um, which used to be known as the the Weinstefano yeast, just because... Uh, Weinstephaner's yeast lab in Bavaria was the place you went to to get this yeast. Um, now, there are many different strains, not really associated with any specific brewery, um, many on the market, but they are all this very closely related family of yeast, uh, which are sort of POF positive, that's phenolic off-flavor positive, and can create these uh, phenolics like 4-Vinyl-Guacol. Like um, which is that clove spice. Also this sort of slightly smoky thing for vinyl syringol. Um, they also produce large amounts of isoamyl acetate, which is a sort of banana ester, uh, which for some people comes across a lot more like a sort of bubblegummy uh, kind of flavour. And this yeast um, has has kind of been a topic of debate in the last few decades in, in brewing literature. I think in one of the earlier... Um, editions of Tasting Beer by Randy Mosher. Uh, Mosher actually posits that uh, Hefeweizen yeast or, or German wheat beer yeast is uh, a different species of yeast than traditional brewer's yeast, the Saccharomyces cerevisiae ill yeast. Uh, I think he says that it's Torralis Spuro del which is occasionally used in winemaking. And um, But I'm sure that's been rescinded now, and if you check the most up-to-date editions of Tasting Beer, we now know that it is a Saccharomyces cerevisiae ale yeast strain, just a a sort of uh, POF-positive phenolic-producing family of yeast, um, which is well-suited to metabolizing the specific kind of starches and and proteins within uh, wheat, or dominantly wheat uh, worts. So, we've kind of accidentally already covered some of the some of the flavor profile of Hefeweizens in there. Um we do have that very unique trademark uh, banana and bubblegum ester that isoamyl acetate. We have got those phenols with clove, white pepper, baking spice, slight smokiness occasionally. Um, And then underneath that, the wheat really just gives a a sort of deep, uh, bready cereal character. Um, It can also give a sort of light acidity, which can come across as a slight lemoniness, a sort of little um, kind of citric acid snap on the finish of the beer, especially when paired up with the high carbonation, that kind of four volumes of CO2 from bottle conditioning that I mentioned earlier, um, really heightens the perception of acidity and, and, and hot bitterness. Uh, speaking of hops, there's not really usually much of a hop profile in these beers. The hops are there for balance, to give bitterness and, and balance out the sweetness of the esters and the alcohol and, and the grist, but not really adding a huge amount in terms of flavour. Um, noble hops should be used, that is to say traditional German um, Spalte, Tettnanger, Tower hops. Um, so if, if anything, maybe a very subtle spice from the hops which could work in tandem with the, the phenols of, of the yeast, um, but but not a hoppy beer by any means. There are specific variations. Hopfenweisse, uh, which is a sort of hopped uh, weiss beer. Schneiderweisse have produced one and actually produced one in collaboration with Sierra Nevada in previous years, which was a really interesting little beer. Um, and people are now brewing sort of uh, IPWs, India Pale Weizens, and that kind of thing. Um, just demonstrating that in modern craft brewing you really can turn anything into an IPA if you like. Um, in terms of German variations then, the Hefeweizen usually just refers to the pale and cloudy uh, beer, which is the most common by quite some distance. Um, there are other variations, there's the Kristallweizen, which is a filtered wheat beer, so the uh, yeast and trub have been removed, uh, so it's sort of perfectly clear, and uh, it has a a sort of more focused, uh, spicy character with less kind of fluffy yeastiness than the Hefeweizen has. The other main variation then would be Dunkelweizen, which just means dark wheat, and that's a, a dark wheat beer, as you may have guessed. Um, if you think of it as like an amber ale is to a pale ale, this sort of is an, an amber or brown version, depending on which brewery it comes from. Um leaning more into kind of um rye bread and pumpernickel bread and sort of those dark um hearty uh breads in the dunkelweizen but still with the trademark kind of baking spice notes um so that's a really great dessert beer i find um also goes beautifully with uh, a good german pretzel um a real winter warmer as well um then we have weizen bock um really interesting style um in the bock family Kind of from this tradition of, uh, I think we it goes back to Einbeck in Germany. But we'll maybe do a whole episode on Bock, um, and Bock really just being a strong lager traditionally. Uh, Weizenbok is kind of the black sheep in that family because um, whereas the other Bocks are all bottom fermented beers, the the Weizenboc of course is a Weizen, uh, just at a higher alcohol strength. Um, but there are some really classic and delicious examples of Weizenboks. Uh, such as uh, the uh, Schneiderweiss Ventiness, uh, the Weinstephaner Vitis as well, um, and they kind of amp up the alcohol, real winter warmers, real body, um, to go with the sort of already somewhat decadent um, wheat beer flavours. In terms of pairing then, um, there's a very, very famous Hefeweizen pairing from the aforementioned Mr. Randy Mosher, um, he has always uh, advocated pairing wheat beer with um, mozzarella or burrata or some sort of soft mild cheese. Um, I think it's a really interesting pairing with that kind of uh, soft and sweet and mild creamy dairy um, and the sort of fruity esters and fluffy body of a vice beer. You do get this sort of peaches and cream perception. Um, which is a really, really interesting and really resonant and really successful pairing, I think. It does depend on the specific wheat beer that you have. It'll be more successful with fruitier examples. And the hefeweizens that lean more into phenol and spice can sometimes have a, a slight clash with um, a burrata, for example, or a mozzarella. Um, a more kind of classic uh, pairing might be a hefeweizen with a cheesecake or a hefeweizen with a carrot cake, the sort of sweetness um, and sugar of those desserts being combated by the high carbonation, um, that sort of palate cleansing effect of the wheat beer, and uh, the kind of citrus and uh, sweet banana esters being accentuated um, in in tandem with those desserts. Um, In terms of savouries, Wheat beer for me is a great beer to have with any number of salads. Um, My favourite would probably be a nice peppery wheat beer with a um, goat's cheese and walnut salad with some orange supreme slices. Um, I think that's a really successful pairing. You get the, the sweet creamy dairy of the goat's cheese. You get the uh, bright acidity of the orange, um, and the sort of nuttiness of the walnut, bringing out some more malt character, which can often play second fiddle in a Weiss beer. Uh, Weiss beer again um, is fabulous with a German pretzel, um, that's just a sort of a cultural staple. Um, a big vase of of wheat beer with a freshly baked, warm, salted pretzel. And if you've never experienced that in a German beer hall, I'd say um, put it at the top of your list because it's a really um, a kind of a perfect experience. I would say it's hard to top that. Okay, hopefully that's been uh, somewhat interesting and hopefully it's been uh, at least somewhat coherent. Uh, hopefully you'll tune back in uh, next time for whatever beer style we decide to pour next. Um, that was German wheat beer. And this has been hopefully very interesting.